Satan will use all your emotions so he can be victorious. His name is the deceiver. The pastors don't think there's things going on in their congregation. I believe that the devil does exist. Be a disciple and make disciples. And you don't do that by being a pastor spectator. Confronting the devil with the overwhelming, almighty, omnipotent power of the Lord Jesus Christ. His power is absolute. He cannot be stopped. Welcome to Confronting the Devil, Fearless Dialogue. Here's your host, Kevin Collier. And thanks for joining us. Today's guest is Robert Noddy, founder of Searchlight Ministries. And our guest is going to deliver the opening prayer. So, Kristen, who was the hymn writer that was called a theologian sifted in Satan's sieve, whose hymns are even more popular than those of Martin Luther, and who also talked about mocking the devil? Paul Gerhard, born in 1607 near Wittenberg. This is from Awake My Heart with Gladness. Now hell, its prince, the devil, of all their power are shorn. Now I am safe from evil. And sin I laugh to scorn. Grim death with all his might cannot my soul affright. It is a powerless form, howe'er it rave and storm. Thank you, Kristen. My guest today is Robert Noddy, founder of Searchlight Ministries, which is based in Australia. He's a powerful man with a powerful testimony. Robert, welcome to the program. God, man, it's good to talk to you. Robert, I have a lot to ask you. Would you mind if we prayed first? Sure, that would be great. Father, I just pray that this conversation that you've orchestrated achieves all that you have ordained it to. Father, I pray that by your Spirit, your words will be spoken through me as the vessel and will serve to edify and strengthen all that will hear them, Lord. Father, right now, in the name of Jesus, I bind the strong men. In the name of Jesus, I bind the gatekeeper. I bind any reinforcements. I shut down the second and first heavens with the precious blood of Jesus. In the name of Jesus Christ, I paralyze every devil, every hell, every demon. Father, I come against retaliation, retribution, and revenge attacks from the devil and all his emissaries against us. And I take complete authority over this phone conversation and declare it to be free of all hindrances and for your glory. In Jesus' name, amen. I think we're ready now. (laughs) Robert, before I get into the difficult stuff, you live in Australia. I live in the United States. Which one of us has the accent? <laughs> I, I think I do. <laughs> I had to get that out of my system. No, I think I do, Kevin. But look, I love your accent. I wish I could talk like you guys do, I tell you. Robert, what was the turning point when you committed your life to Jesus Christ? It's an amazing story. Five and a half years ago, I was ignorantly happy in my sin, living like a heathen, doing all the things that I wanted to do, not caring about anything or anyone other than just having a great life and a great lot of fun. Five and a half years later, I'm preaching the gospel. I'm doing things that I never thought would be possible. It's all by the grace of God, and it's just amazing. Anyone that knows me will tell you that the first thing they say is, who are you and what have you done with Robert? (laughs) Because he's no longer here. My mother was a born-again Christian. She took me to Sunday school when I was 12 years old. But unfortunately, I knew of God, but I didn't know God. When I was 15, we migrated here in Australia. And from that point on till I was 24 years of age, I kind of like it was just a whole lot of fun, wild parties and all that sort of stuff. I was lost. I was in the wilderness. 
my mom passed away when I was 24, and that kind of made me feel guilty that maybe I should do something about God, and I did. So I went to church four years. I, I was a Christian, but I was never what I would consider being a good Christian. I was probably religious at best. The devil attacked me then, and my first marriage got destroyed, so I kind of walked away from all of that and thought, this is way too hard for me. I just went on a 27-year journey of absolute wilderness. God was just a long-distant memory. But the thing that I will say is that throughout all that time, there was never a time that I actually ever stopped thinking and knowing and confessing that the Lord Jesus was the Son of God and that he died for my sins and that he's resurrected and he was sitting at the right hand of God. Now, that wasn't a lot, but it was enough for my Heavenly Father to keep me alive, I think, because the devil tried to kill me throughout my life probably about half a dozen times. And I think it's probably because he knew what God had in store for me. In Isaiah 14:27, where it says that not all the forces of darkness can stop a single thing that God ordained. So it was ordained, and 27 years later, for no apparent reason other than the fact that I just picked up a Bible and started reading it, and I escalated it from there. And, and within a short span of time, about a month or so, I was locked up in my bedroom. I had just walked away from a job. I had no job. I had all this free time. It was almost like God orchestrated it. And all I could do was just literally listen to uh, sermons and, and read the Bible and just pray incessantly, like to the extent that my family were having secret meetings thinking that, you know, I was going nuts. You know, what's happening to dad? What's happening to, what's happening to my husband, you know? And as much as I try to explain what I was going through, it was very difficult. Seven months into this, I stopped and I asked the Lord, I said, Lord, what is going on? What is happening with me? Why? Why is this happening to me now? And and I remember he drew my attention to my right-hand side. There was a bookshelf there. And my old Bible that I was using for those four years after my mother died was there. And I kind of picked it up and I thought, wow, this is my old Bible, Lord. And I opened it up. I dusted it off. And, and I opened up. And inside of it, there's this book. It was from A to Z, and you know, placing there all the verses related to subjects that started with that letter. So if I wanted to know about marriage, uh, under M, I'd have all the verses for marriage and so on. And right at the back, as I flicked over, I found this piece of paper dated the 27th of August, 1987, which said, prophecy given to me by John Golding, which was my pastor at the time, and that prophecy said, Signs and wonders will follow you. You'll confess Jesus in front of many people, and people will be saved by the witness you'll give them. By just seeing the way you are, you're going to do a mighty work for God, and you're going to be an evangelist. And when I saw that, I just started immediately bawling. You know, I was like, wow. Mm. I had no recollection of that. I had no idea that was in that Bible. And yet the Lord pointed me to it in his wisdom and showed me, why all of this was happening. So now I had a reason and I understood why it was happening. How did Searchlight Ministries start? I started it all myself, but I'll tell you the story why I did. After about 18 months or so of being in the room with the Lord, just listening to sermons and praying and so on, the Lord made me find this life group at a local church. Because remember, Throughout all this time, I never went to church once. There was no church for me. My teacher was the Holy Spirit and the Bible, and that was it. So the Holy Spirit made me find this life group, and as I got to this life group, the people here, this is awesome, Lord. I'm just really going to enjoy this. And within half hour of being there, 
this great man of God, his name is Andrew George, he walked over to me and said, brother, I have to tell you something. I'm going, oh boy, what have I done now? <laughs> he said, look, <laughs> I, I am a prophet. The Lord uses me in the prophecy uh, gift, and he's just given me a word for you. He's given me a picture for you. Would you like to hear? And I thought, wow, are you serious? I've been locked up for the last 18 months. <laughs> I want to hear everything you have to say. So he said, look, the Lord just showed me that you are a searchlight. Like, what, what is that? He said, well, you know, one of those really huge floodlights sort of thing that people use to search for survivors and, and people that are lost and things like that. I said, wow. And he said, yeah, he showed me that you are a searchlight, that he's given you a gift that you can articulate and explain things differently than other people do. And he's going to use you to reach people that couldn't or wouldn't otherwise be reached because others don't explain it the way you do. And he's also told me to tell you that you need to be careful because sometimes the searchlight can be really bright and you need to learn to operate it so that it doesn't blind people, but you do it all in love. And he said it's going to be difficult for you. It's going to be a lot of resistance, uh, but just trust him and he's with you and he will never leave you. So uh, that was the prophecy that was given over my life. Of course, I was overwhelmed by that, and I thought that was awesome. Finally, I was getting some direction in my life, and that's when I started Searchlight Ministry. You will notice that I recorded maybe 12 or 13 videos, and that's because the Holy Spirit is very strict when it comes to that sort of thing with me. I only record the topics and the things that He wants me to record, and if unless He gives me another instruction, I won't do it, and that's simply because I'm not here to build my kingdom. I'm here to build this kingdom. Interesting. In all the years you were not attending church, was it the devil preventing you from going to keep you away from God? So let me put it to you this way. The devil is a very smart operator. He's, he's been studying us for about 6,000 years. He doesn't mind you going to church and being a Christian for as long as you're a lukewarm Christian. It's a favorite saying of mine that the Holy Spirit taught me, and that is that, the devil allows you to work unhindered, it means that your work is of no consequence. So the devil doesn't necessarily keep you away from church. You'll find that the devil is extremely active in churches around the world today, to the extent that I know of pastors that have made deals with the enemy and said, I won't preach against you if you leave my church alone, which is absolutely crazy, and things like that. So I'm not sure whether that answers your question or not, but I think the devil is very clever and wraps itself around the way a person thinks. He knows your weaknesses, he knows your strengths, and he will always play to your weaknesses. So if you are weak in a particular area, he'll keep exploiting it. And sometimes he holds it back like a trump card if you're playing card, where if he knows that a weakness can cause maximum impact, he will wait for that time, that opportune time, where he can do that. Robert, how much has the devil infiltrated the churches? I think the church is infiltrated in a major way to the point that I believe that most of the churches are neutralized. So you find that today there are churches that meet once a week on a Sunday, and they pretty much just warm up the pews, as I say. Now, it doesn't please me to say things like this because I'm talking about my family, but the reality is that God is having to raise up people like myself. There are individual ministries because he's been trying to get them out of the pews for a long time to go out and preach and do what Jesus did. You see, 
destroy the works of the devil. That's what the Bible says. That's what he came to do. And how does he do that? He did that by healing the sick, setting the oppressed free, setting the demonized free, preaching the gospel. But he did that on the streets. Very seldom did he preach in the churches of the time as such. He spent all his time out and about on the streets demonstrating the power of his gospel. And that's the other thing the Lord said to me, is that the world doesn't believe him because we are unable to demonstrate the power of his gospel. Paul was quite clear when he said the gospel came not just in word but in power. And what he means by that is when you pray for someone, when you're in the street and you're talking to someone who might be a Muslim, and he's got a sick young girl, a little child, you can talk to him about Jesus all your life. He's never, ever going to change his mind. But if you just say, look, can I pray for your little girl? And you lay hands on that child, and in the name of Jesus, she is healed. You've just introduced him to Christ. You've demonstrated the power of the gospel. And now that man is to process what happened. And that's when the Holy Spirit goes to work and does his best work in people. So I think God is sending him a wake-up call, and he's doing a lot of work, as I said, with people like myself, many other people like myself. I'm one of thousands around the world that have got single ministries that literally affiliate themselves with other ministries and go on the streets and pray for people. I mean, just to give you an idea, I prayed for a lady the other day that for 15 minutes solid, There were demons that came out of her, and she kept on coughing them up to the point where she could hardly breathe, and that went on for 15 minutes. She was a Christian, a nice lady, and she had no idea that she had so many unclean spirits in them. So the devil is attacking the church because, let's face it, we are the only ones that can stop him. He's already got the world. He doesn't need the world. Our neighbor that is not saved, well... He's not going to go after him. He's going to go after me. He's going to go after you because we know him and we know what he does. The devil targets those who spread the word of God. Oh, absolutely. This is why I said before, if you, the devil allows you to work unhindered, it means that your work is of absolute no consequence to him. If you become a threat to him, he will attack you. And then one of the stories that I can tell you is after about three years, it actually was in May 15, three years ago, when I was laying in bed and I was really enjoying the honeymoon period because when you first start walking with God, God teaches you in a slow pace and at your pace. So initially you have the honeymoon period where he loves you and he loves you all the time, but he nurtures you and he does things for you. After about two and a half, three years, then saying, come on, you need to come closer to me now. You need to walk. I'm not going to do this for you anymore. You need to start doing it yourself. So when that started with me, I was laying in bed one morning and all of a sudden, it was nine o'clock in the morning. It wasn't dark. I was just there just reflecting, thinking about the Lord. And next thing I felt this incredible weight on my stomach and I just was totally pinned down. I couldn't move. I couldn't walk. I couldn't talk. I couldn't do anything. And I wasn't frightened. I just was annoyed that this thing was sitting on me. So I tried to speak desperately. I couldn't see anything sitting on me, but I could see the indentation in my stomach. My stomach was flatter on one side than it was on the other. And I could see that clearly. It was like someone was definitely sitting on me. And so I just muffled bruises because I couldn't really speak. It was stopping me from speaking. And the minute I did that, This thing just got off of my stomach, but not before he stopped on my left-hand side as I was lying down on my left side and just put out this evil laugh that I don't think I will ever forget. I've practiced it over a period of time as I keep telling my witness to people so that I could 
could get them to imagine what it sounded like, but it sounded like this. It went, <laughs> in a really evil, screechy voice. And that freaked me out. That took me a little while <laughs> to, to kind of forget because it was like, wow, this is real. Man, what has happened here? It wasn't too long after that. Everything started going wrong for me. I couldn't find a job. He attacked my finances. He tried to kill me twice, literally and physically. I was 10 seconds away from death. He tried to kill my son twice. He tried to kill my other son twice. He attacked my marriage. But throughout all that, I was never in any danger because we need to understand as Christians that if we belong to Christ, the devil cannot touch us unless he has God's permission. Now, God allows some things to happen for training purposes. When he's training you as a warrior or a champion for him, he will allow things to happen so that in his wisdom, he allows things to happen that he could stop definitely in his power and authority. But he does it so that he can teach you, so that he can learn to trust him. And I did. Throughout all that I did, and I can tell you that it's been nearly five and a half years now. My, all my family saved. My finances are restored. My marriage is stronger than ever. But there were some times there that it was pretty tough, I can tell you. Shouldn't Christian men oversee their households to prevent the devil from entering? I mean, if he can't get to us, he'll get to our wives, our children. What should we be watching for? <laughs> the thing is, for as long as you understand how he engages in warfare, then you're able to fight him. The problem we have in the church today is that the Christian at large has absolutely no idea how to fight the enemy. I was going to suggest a lot of the times, a lot of the teachings that the Holy Spirit has taught me, I don't know if you've ever heard of this book, it's called Fight, just F-I-G-H-T, by Kenny Luck, the um, pastor of Saddleback Church in the United States. He's an amazing man. I would recommend anyone that wants to understand how the devil infiltrates your home to just read that book. It is not for the faint-hearted. By the time you finish reading the book, you'll feel compelled to either take on the fight or to go to sleep, literally. And not, not many that have read the book have gone to sleep because they're too afraid. you find that a lot of them will take on the fight. It's amazing. But we, we need to keep ourselves guarded at all times. I mean, you've got a television at home. Just be careful what you let your kids watch. Be careful the books. Be careful what you allow into your home. The other thing is to constantly pray against it. So one of the things that the Lord has taught me, he said, son, you've got to understand that in the Word of God, in my Bible, in my Word, I say, and it's clear, submit to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. What we tend to do is we tend to forget the first bit, which is submit to God. To bring an example to that, a lot of the time we don't have to fight the devil because he continuously tries to get us into a fight. He tries to draw us into a battle to keep us busy. The reality is that the battle has already been won. We already have the victory. So when we fight, we fight from victory, not for victory. So that comes with understanding who you are in Christ. So once you understand that, it's really, really simple to kind of follow that. A lot of the times when God says, submit to me, what he's saying is if you're being attacked in a particular area, don't start fighting the devil. You turn around what the devil is trying to tell you. If the devil comes to you and you're experiencing financial lack, and he says, you're broke, you've only got one month left to live, after that you're on the streets, you and your family, you're a loser. Don't turn around and say, I rebuke you in Jesus' name, go away, devil. Don't do that. You just turn to God and you submit to God and you say, Father, I thank you. I have a covenant with you, Lord, that says that you will always provide for me according to your riches. 
riches and glory in the Lord Jesus Christ. Father, I thank you because I know, Lord, that you love me and you will never let me let you. are my shepherd. Therefore, by submitting to God this way, you're resisting the devil and he will flee. This comes with maturity, Kevin. Mm -hmm. In the beginning, when I first started, I used to do a lot of fighting, a lot of rebuking, and the Lord was allowing me to do that because he was teaching me about authority. But once I then understood who I was in Christ, the fact that I'm hidden in Christ, and the fact that his abilities are my abilities, he said to me, son, it's not about formula, it's about relationship. Build a relationship with me, a fellowship with me, and you'll find that once you have your identity, the devil will never be able to get in between that. So with maturity comes the understanding of identity in Christ, who you are in him. And once I understood that, I hardly ever fight the devil now. I don't have to because I already have the victory. So all he does then is he attacks me in my mind because that's where the battle mostly takes place. I just thank him for reminding me <laughs> to turn my attention to the Lord and praise and worship him for the good that he's about to do in my life. So the enemy then gets used by God to bring you to the next level, if you like. Robert, many think the devil wants to take one over. But actually, at the very least, he can surround you with distractions and trip you up, keep you off balance, so you make mistakes. Absolutely. I mean, that's one of his strategies. It's the busyness of life. You'll continuously put things in your path during the day. You will be distracted on all sorts of things. Every time you think, oh, I'm going to go and pray now, you watch the phone ring. The devil's assigned to Christians on a regular basis to do that. We are always protected, don't get me wrong. The same way as we have a five-fold ministry, he has a five-fold ministry. He has principalities and powers and weakness in high places. It's a structured kingdom with bosses at each level. And you need to understand how to fight against this guy. He's, he's pretty clever. He's, he's a military genius. And this is why I strongly recommend the book Fight from Kenny Luck. So he keeps you distracted. He keeps you busy. He doesn't care that you're a Christian for as long as you're not a threat to him. So if he can put you to sleep and neutralize you, that's okay. He doesn't mind losing you. You can go to heaven for as long as you're not a problem to me. When you do become a problem to him, well, that's when the trouble starts. Robert, how has the devil personally attacked you, and what have you learned? One evening, and this happened on two occasions, I was in my room about to go to sleep, and next thing I felt this absolute darkness in the room. It was just dreadful to the extent that I found it difficult to speak. It was just horrible, and it was like I was talking, but I was talking like that. So I started praying, and I started rebuking this thing. It didn't take long, because God will win always, every single time. And, you know, the blood of Jesus is the most powerful. Jesus is Lord, period, and the devil will always bow his knee in the name of Jesus. But at the time when he did this, I wasn't as strong as what I am today, for instance. So when he did come in the room, and I knew he was there, I was praying and I was I was calling out on verses and I and I was rebuking it and within a matter of five minutes it left but it was pretty intense it was there to to really scare me because what happens when you go with a walk with the Lord you start with the low level demons they will hinder you and they will annoy you they do all that when you defeat those guys then the next level comes up and then the next devil comes up I think Graham Cook a great preacher always says there's a new devil on every level. As you get to the next where everyone in hell has a go at you. So by the time you get to stand after five or six or ten years or whatever the length of period is, you can rest assured that all of hell have had a go in trying to bring you down. Because when they can't bring you down, 
next more powerful one. And that particular evening in my room, I don't know if it was the devil himself, but whoever it was, it was the most powerful dark force that I've felt since that time. Another time was when he actually physically tried to kill me when I was in church. This happened a couple of years ago where I in church waiting for the, the service to start. And all of a sudden, I just felt like someone opened up my scalp and reached inside of my head and just grabbed my brain and just started squeezing it. And I started screaming at the top of my head like the pain was so intense. I was 10 seconds away from death. And all of a sudden, immediately, the pain left and my head was just spinning around. And I managed to grab myself over to my friend that was with me and I said, just pray, pray. And he laid his hand on me and prayed and I felt better. And then by the time church was over, I picked up my Bible and saw my uh, electronic format on my iPad. And as I opened it up, the verse of the day had just come in and it was Isaiah 41, 19, which says, fear not for I'm with you. Be not dismayed for I am your God. Yes, I'll help you. Yes, I'll make you strong. I will uphold you with the right hand of my righteousness. So it was God letting me know that he was there. Now, the question is, could God have stopped the attack before it took place? Absolutely he could have. But if he had done that, I would never have been able to say, God stepped in, you know, like the verse says in Jeremiah, when the enemy comes in like a flood, the Spirit of the Lord will lift up a standard against him. I would not have a testimony to tell, and I wouldn't have known just how wonderful God is. And now, after that happened, I know for a fact that no matter what happens, God will always protect me and will never allow the devil to destroy me. Of course, there is a prophecy after my name, and I have to fulfill that. So once you start understanding and living according to what God gives you, the devil can't touch you, so the next level that he brings you to, then there is a new devil, and that one goes stealth. He's a lot more subtle. He attacks people and things around you to try and bring you down. You know, he attacked my marriage. We nearly got destroyed. And it was amazing how the Holy Spirit showed it to me what was happening and then gave me the strength to fix it. I've been at deliverance. I was praying for this man to be delivered. He had so many demons inside of it. It was crazy. He started acting like a snake with a tongue going left and right. I wasn't afraid. It's amazing. The Holy Spirit just gave me such a strength. And as I laid hands on him, and I said, in Jesus' name, you get out. He just to the ground said he's gone he's gone he's gone this thing is real you know the greatest strategy that they ever the devil ever pulled is to make everyone believe that he doesn't exist well i can tell you from personal experience i was one of those guys six years ago i would have kind of agreed with him now well it's kind of a different story <laughs> robert you said god will take his protection away when he hands us over to the devil he is disciplining us right you see, he has to train us because in his great wisdom, he's designated the job to destroy evil in this world to us. That's what he did when he first created Adam and Eve. He said, go ahead and multiply. And by that, he meant multiply my image because we are created in his image because evil was already on earth at that time. The devil was in the Garden of Eden after they were created. He was already there. So what the Lord wanted is for Adam and Eve to duplicate and multiply his image so that by doing so would extinguish evil. Instead, they fell. But God never changed his plan. The plan still remains the same. Us Christians to defeat the enemy if I can succinctly explain 
explain to you how you defeat the enemy, and it's about knowing who you are in Christ. Mm -hmm. If your identity in Christ is solid, if you understand that you are a son of God, and that only he and he alone has the authority over your life, and keep the things like, if you read Second Peter chapter 1, verse, I think it's 5 and 10, it kind of lists all the things that you need to do, and then it says, if you do these things, you will not be touched. And it's quite amazing. Says, and besides giving all diligence, add to your faith virtue, and add to your virtue knowledge, add to your knowledge temperance, and add to your temperance patience, and to your patience godliness, and to godliness brotherly kindness, add charity. And then he goes on, wherefore, the rather brethren give diligence to make your calling and election sure, for if you do these things, you shall never fall. So he's giving us what we need to do, saying, if you do these things, if you keep your eyes on me, if you know who you are in me, the devil cannot touch you. It's impossible. Robert, this has been an amazing conversation. I want to thank you for sharing with our listeners. Thank you. Thank you. All glory to God. All glory to God. And God bless you. We'll stay in touch. And Robert Nani will be back soon as we had much to talk about. Kristen closes us out with a prayer. This is from Meditations on Divine Mercy by Johann Gerhard. No relation to Paul Gerhard. O Jesus Christ, Son of the living God, in your word you exclaim, If anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. Matthew 16.24 Thank you, Kristen. Coming up in our next episode, producer and director James Duke. Here's a preview. Are we offering these films as an act of worship to God? Are we really sacrificing what it takes? Are we more Cain than Abel when it comes to our films? That's James Duke. Next time, don't miss it. And remember, do not let fear paralyze your faith. This has been Confronting the Devil with your host, Kevin Collier. Visit online at confrontingthedevil.blogspot.com. Thank you.